everybody. Welcome to episode 37. Everybody can hear us. Everything is good. We always nail it on the first try. Welcome to episode 37 of Tactical Crouch. I am Kick Tripod, joined, of course, by Yiska and Volamel, the actual brains of the operation. It's been a while. Been two weeks. We were out last week. I wasn't feeling very well. We might talk about that later. We might not. But we're here now for you. That's the important thing is on this Tuesday, we were here for you. So, hey. Joe, Yiska, hey guys. You guys are looking great as ever. Joe, tie-dyed up as f And then, of course, Yiska, you got the, uh, the my favorite orange and blue shirt that I've ever seen. I've got, really? a, I've got a list of favorite orange and blue shirts. That actually is my favorite one. Uh, that's usually the shirt I wear when I feel like I have nothing uh, interesting or important to do. It's probably one of my least favorite shirts I still wear. It's that kind of shirt for me. When I first started playing Roller Coaster Tycoon, that's the color I made my roller coasters, is orange and blue. <laughs> what? I just want you to know that. I felt like it was important. Apparently uh, that was on sale on the uh, the old uh, Epic Games store recently. One of the Roller Coaster Tycoons. I don't know if it still is or not. But I bought the new one, and then I realized I don't have the time or patience to go through what I went through when I was like nine. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah, it's like just like there's the so little payoff. All the, yeah, yeah. Like at some point you just break the game and you're like, the hey, tilt tool how needs to, to be fixed. <laughs> be like, Don't fix care. it yourself. Yeah, Adam. It um, just evolves into you yeah. picking up people and like throwing them in a lake. Yeah, right. Or like, or like making the roller launch, coasters and the, the the loop yeah. launcher, and so you would mm -hmm. just turn up the speed and then launch them straight off the map. Yep. Yep. You, they never even got That's like an adult. They never got a death toll or anything because they just no. were launched off the map. Straight into space, you know? <laughs> off the map. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> this is not a roller coaster tycoon podcast. This is a competitive Overwatch podcast. Joke's on you. Uh, before we get started, we've got a few. I've got five. Normally, I have four pieces of housekeeping. Today, I've got five. So, first things first. Uh, if you are new to the show and aren't already already, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Tactical Crouch and on Twitch at Kicked Tripod so you can find us whenever we go live. We go live Tuesdays at 11 p.m. Pacific time, and then uh, we post if we ever have special episodes or anything like that. Make sure to tweet us your questions and topics you'd like to have discussed on the show. We take the good ones and do our best to talk about them or incorporate them in some way and give you credit for those great questions. Last but not least, uh, you can definitely find the show anywhere that you can listen or watch to content, basically. YouTube, Pornhub, uh... Never what? mind, not that one. Different, different, different Yiska Volumel content is over there. And then... <laughs> Dude, encrypt your hard drive, man. That's all I gotta say. You gotta encrypt that. You gotta encrypt that Alright, so... Uh, but I do have an, an extra special piece of housekeeping today. And <laughs> our, our our viewers dropped in half as everyone goes to Pornhub. So, all right. Uh, I do have an extra piece of uh, content for you today. And in order to do that, I've got to get this set up. This is kind of important because Joe and Yiska have not seen this either. Chad, I don't know what they're, he's talking about. Apparently, Yiska has some idea. I am clueless. Yeah. So if, I haven't seen the product, like. If you were, can you guys see that on Discord? I see the stream, I think. Yeah, cool. Yeah. All right. 
So if you were on, if you listened to the last show two weeks ago, Baroy had promised us to panda dance for Volumel, who had defeated uh, Yiska in PvP. He didn't have a panda suit. So we we have we have an alternative. I feel like he has lived up to the expectations. I'm going to play that for you now. By the way, um, if you are on audio, this isn't going to have a lot of context. It's just going to be some music. So you can fast forward 75 to 90 seconds and you should be fine. Otherwise, uh, listen to the music. It's a good song and enjoy. Here we go. quality content that you have signed up for <laughs> uh, do we need to play it again I don't know this no, is this the high quality God. content that you have requested from tactical crouch <sighs> oh man. I didn't know I needed that but <laughs> apparently I needed that today <laughs> wow that was there was effort put into that that was impressive that was full of effort oh my god so yeah uh, uh baroy definitely you know we we asked for a panda suit you gave us so so much more so much more <laughs> i i i'm speechless That's... i don't know how to <laughs> When you subscribe, donate, and follow the channel, this is the type of content that you can uh, we we really fork out for. So <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> that was something. Oh wow. man! You know how long he practiced to get that right? Because if you you gotta know the anime clip to this song, mm -hmm. but the movement is really really on point, and it's scary that it is that good. It, yeah, it was not like it's not just something he's like, I'm just gonna dance how I feel like and you know, mm -hmm. then throw no, up the thing. That's... No, it was choreographed. No, uh, yeah. for the audio listeners, uh Baroy dressed up in a like a cheerleader's uniform with the panda t shirt and did this whole anime dance 
threw up a uh, a picture of Volamel with the crown on his head and a bunch of pandas in the background and danced, choreographed perfectly. It's, of course, in our uh, YouTube portion of it. Can this become a segment on every podcast? Yeah, you guys send us in your videos of you dancing to anime songs with Joe's with Joe wearing a crown, and I'll I'll put it on the show. <laughs> I, I am eighty five percent sure I'll put put it on the show. Uh, yeah. So my panda T shirt says I'm a panda corn. By the way, from Baroy in chat. I think so, Banter Life. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Oh, also, man. the friend danced to this for 10 hours once, I think. It's also yes. very impressive. Never got to the level. Quality over quantity. Oh, yes, of course. Quality. I want to know how much Bishop helped. Did Bishop help at all with this? Did you get the, the skirt from Sideshow or Bren? Oh. I think this video should replace the intro. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ. Defran didn't dance. He just watched it. He watched the video of Baroy dancing for 10 hours. No, I'm just kidding. That'd be, that'd be better, actually, I think. Um, all right. So we got we to gotta move all on. Right. This is a competitive Overwatch podcast. We're moving on. I don't We've know got how some, you move on from that. But you know, you, you know, never really totally you move on. My yeah. life is never, never going to be the same again. No, yeah, you never, never like totally move on, but we're going to try anyways. You know, just day at a time at this point. This is this is a milestone marker for the show. Uh, let's talk about some news, and we're going to go back a couple of weeks because we've been gone for two. So some of you might be like, hey, this is old news. And be like, you know what? Hey, shut up. So... LA Valiant have parted ways with Bunny um, in something that's not, I don't know if it's a surprising move. We saw Bunny with a bunch of play at the beginning of stage one, and we just kind of gradually saw it just kind of go downwards. Uh, but uh, Yiska, Joe, thoughts on this one? Good new, good move for the Valiant. Any insights as to why? Um, again, I've been, I've been a little out of the loop here, so I need your help on this one. I just don't. Has has anybody is am I am I wrong in saying that this he like his career Bunny's career in the Overwatch League feels like the most disappointing out of every, every like anybody that you could have drafted in just the most disappointing never really saw a ton of play never fit within the team but we knew was pretty good at like the one thing that he did well just never got to show it off. I'm not sure about to play tracing. Most disappointing. He got to play a little bit, I suppose, but it's also a very expected move. Like they yeah, announced 100%. that they're going to go full Western. Karif, to my knowledge, is the only one that speaks uh, anything resembling fluent English. So this is this is a probably a good move for both because now I'm, I'm not sure how they parted ways with each other because there's of course always the clause. Like, for instance, there's a retirement clause in a contract where it's just mm -hmm. like the player now cannot sign with the team uh, for the remainder of the Overwatch League season. I don't think that's what happened here. I think um, Bunny um, probably like negotiated something that they, he's going to be released yeah. from his uh, contract, maybe got some money out of that. No idea. I have actually no behind-the-scenes knowledge on this, and it allows him to find maybe if he wants to continue his career a uh, new team um, to play in. Of course, this is a pretty bad meta to try to 
find a place as a trace on one trick. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, there's a few things. So Bunny definitely got to play Tracer um, on multiple squats, uh, but we never really saw. Like, I'm thinking, man, I'm trying to think of. I mean, he played for Soul. Yeah, so like, Soul was the big one early season one, but really, like and nobody Tracer, really gave him that chance. Nobody, nobody gave them the investment. If that makes sense, nobody gave him that time to like gel with the roster. He was always like that bench guy that you kind of bring in sometimes. Yeah. So, I mean, it was just, it's I like Joe, I can't say for sure. Like, Hey, this is the most disappointing player. Uh, because like, there's some stuff too, where, I mean, I would say like, there's a lot of original fuel players who, you know, you Mm -hmm. kind of really expected to outperform and, you know, two trades later, or maybe they're still on the team and they're still not playing. And, you know, there's probably some stuff, but I would say as far as people who had high expectations and just kind of spoke, unanimously as hey this is one of the best tracers in the world and whoever gets bunny is going to be in a great thing and he's tried it on three is it three now right he soul fuel valiant no he didn't play for fuel it was just soul straight to valiant soul valiant okay what am i thinking maybe i'm not rascal maybe rascal probably is yeah uh but yeah so interesting to see he's currently unsigned right now right so from my knowledge, we do we have any insight on if he's planning like he's seeking Overwatch League offers, contenders offers, or if he's doing like a not a clue pseudo retirement thing? Nothing. All right. Well, I don't even know who to want him to be honest with you. <clears throat> I will maybe, say maybe Florida comes a calling. I don't know. This this is like a fair side point that uh, Banter Life also raises. Is like this is probably. Uh, harder for them to because Valiant never had and doesn't have a contenders team, so where they could play us on, like we see this move quite a lot, right? With Snillo and then with Kodak yeah. now. And I will also say this should have already raised like some red flags inside the Valiant last season. Honestly, at this point, dude, they they had Numlocked on their team now. Okay, Numlocked. I'm not sure if Numlocked would have been as good as he is now. If uh, if he hadn't made the move back to Europe and gotten a, f- uh, a place slot, but potentially if they actually had a contenders team and he had the same amount of drive and the same amount of or this environment would have been just as good, dude. There's no doubt in my mind, Namlock is a better main tank than Effect, for instance. They could have absolutely promoted him back, would have had a, a better Overwatch League roster now. Wow. Okay. Fair enough. The one team that probably could have used it decided not to and decided to play all their pay all their players you know minimum and look where that got you they are all they're all basically gone and they never really got playtime anyways um you could have at least salvaged some of the good pieces there obviously some of them weren't uh, weren't gonna see playtime ever but maybe maybe you make something of it yeah fair enough uh, let's go on to this next one. Uh, Florida Mayhem making some moves. Not surprising at all as they've committed to an all-Korean lo- roster. Tavik and Apply have both been released from the Florida Mayhem. Um, I think the big one here is probably Tavik. Uh, he's been kind of a staple, right? He's the one who yep. stayed through all the changes in Season 1 and Season 2. No longer needing a bus driver because <clears throat> Joe loves that joke. Um Thoughts? I'm so glad that's over. I know, right? That who's going to drive the bus is the only oh, question that driver. I have to. Uh, uh, yeah, 
So besides horrible jokes aside, uh, what's the take on this one? To Vic gone, four to Mayhem, uh, going to 3.0 halfway it's through another, the second season. It's another one of those that you're like, yeah, it's to be expected. Um, what happens next for to Vic is pretty interesting. Um, does he does he find another home in the Overwatch League? Maybe does he play in contenders just to show that he's still got some some gas left in the tank? I don't know. Does he go coaching route? Does he just go full streaming? I, I don't know what he what what he does next. Um, but it'll be pretty interesting to see uh, what kind of uh, uh, an Overwatch old guard uh, does once uh, the league closes its doors. It is kind of sad in a sense that this is his departure, possibly from competitive Overwatch, because people want like most of the people watching probably won't have like have been around since beta, but and then also early in the game. Dude, there was 100 percent and yes, maybe there's not much telling power in this because it was close beta and then early game and they obviously had some advantage coming into the game. But there was ob honestly a point in time where Tivik was the best player in the world. I'm very convinced of this. He was the first nuts flex, so he had a very ch big champion pool. He also had a good idea how to play the game in general. I mean, his stay in Rogue and then Misfits, certainly, like, they, they had some success there. And then it's, that is just going to be our future as well. That the old gods keep dying, and we have to replace them, and it's going to hurt a little, right? Mm -hmm. But... Um, yeah, I, I hope that he maybe gets a little bit of a boost, maybe in a cool contenders run or something, like a cool sure, story yeah. there. Because I feel like currently he it's it's not something that one can leverage into a streaming career, like based on the trajectory that he has gotten. Mm -hmm. If he had, for instance, done it after he was like so hyped and also the most popular player in it, that people don't remember that as well. Like he was probably as big as Siegel for a while. So I mean, Siegel's a uh, perfect example. I'm glad you said that, right? Because yes. Siegel is somebody who played for Fuel, did did quite well, and you know was largely considered going into Overwatch League as one of the most marketable and one of the most mechanically talented players um, that there are. And he did well with the Fuel, transitioned out, is doing amazing as a variety streamer. I don't know what he's playing now. Last time I talked to him, he was playing Apex. We had a long, good conversation. Like, uh, funny, funny thing about Siegel. So I he Siegel got to go XLR and he's we're in this the super secret discord we never talk about on the show. And he goes, "Hey, can you help me set this up?" And we ended up talking for 4 hours about non-audio stuff and just like just talking about his experience in Dallas Fuel and in esports and being a streamer and it was it was really interesting. You know, Tavik is Tavik also kind of reminds me a little bit of Shadowburn. Right, because Shadowburn kind of had the same thing with Phase, right? Like Sh Shadowburn was largely considered one of the best. I would say one of the best projectile DPS in the world between Genji and Farah for the longest time. People people tuned in for Shadowburn, and uh, people still not not still anymore, but often contested that Shadowburn even after leaving Fusion still had it was one of the best in the world obviously with eternal that has not turned out to be the case and you know like it's you're right the old guard is kind of is kind of leaving here it's a young man's game it's a young korean man's game and uh you they are neither unfortunately at this point so um sadly yeah. sadly 
I, I, I don't want to uh, live in that world. Like that's not the world that I would choose. I would choose a world where Shadowburn and Tavik are still popping off. Siegel is still playing, but you know we gotta we gotta roll with it, right? Yeah, and just think, just give it five years, and we'll have like a one of those like uh, veterans versus rookie performances, one of those weird show matches where Mendo comes out of retirement and Siegel picks up the sticks again, and Taimu's back with his gray beard, you know, coming from his hermitage. Yeah, yeah, and then you know, fighting, you know, these these youngins coming from contenders, and it, it'll be fun and interesting. Um, there's there's always room for you know the the firsts to to do it so. Um, if this is his his out, then you know, bon voyage. Uh, if not, then any thoughts? Keep at it. Any thoughts on apply? I mean, he was uh, so. Correct me if I'm wrong. Get him rusty. Uh, two way player, right? Who I think so. Yeah, yeah. He was a two way player, and you know, again, no longer uh, a part of the mayhem organization here. Any surprises I, here? Like they let I've go. Heard mo- good things. They, they I've let, just never yeah. seen it. I've yeah. just never really seen him get to show off what he does. Like, I don't, mm. I don't know a whole lot about apply. It is weird that they couldn't or nobody wanted him even as like, maybe, I don't know how could the contracts would have worked. Could somebody have, could they have traded him away to a two way contract? I don't know if that's possible. I think that would have been kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's contract free now, so there's definitely value there. If you're, you know, a valiant squad that looks that needs a, a DPS, I guess you pick up a play. I don't know. Like it's he's on the cheap. Hmm. So something brought up in chat here is the significantly narrowed hero pool of the goats meta can't be ignored in this discussion. All the old gods players they just mentioned were DPS players. I don't think that's an unfair point, but at the same time, like it wasn't any difference in, in different in two two two. Like sure, yeah, goats they, goats meta was a thing, meta. but it wasn't any different in two two two. Tavik still wasn't popping off. We we had said publicly mm. or privately that ah, like yeah, yeah, he's he's still got the mechanical chops, but he's just not making an Overwatch league. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, this isn't the first time we've seen tanks. Like they've gone through tank metas and came out the the back end fine. And like, we've also seen f- players make transitions that these players can't. I mean, Sinatra is a, a probably a great example of somebody yep. who has made that transition. Um, to be fair, Zarya and Tracer. So Tracer's gone, so you just Zarya or whatever. But you know, there there definitely are uh, situations where yes, you're right. It cannot be ignored. No, 100%. Uh, this is the least DPS friendly meta. Well, I would 100%. say stage one, stage two were the least DPS friendly meta. And these are all DPS old guard players. Mm. But at the same time, Seagull made a pretty successful transition to off tank, I would say, a flex tank. Um, and you, you know, th- there are other players who showed that level of transition as well. And I would still, I would still pose today. If all of a sudden Genji and Farah became a part of the meta, I'm still not that confident that we see players like Shadowburn rise up to the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, great follow up point. It's the system and the coaching that's within that team. It's not, uh, it's not 2017 anymore. You know, there's, um, there's a level of commitment and a level of. Um, acceptance i think players need to uh adopt i guess Mm. that um maybe i'm not the best maybe i'm not and i need to sit on the bench and maybe i need to 
listen to this guy who I don't think knows what he's talking about, but maybe he's got some pointers. Maybe he has a, a better idea than what I've got. Um, and I think that's always kind of hard for, you know, the first players, that first generation to kind of swallow because they were, you know, the frontiers men and, and went out there and tried to blaze a trail. And, you know, who's this guy? He doesn't know what he's talking about. I've been doing this for three years now. I mean, that is the thing is uh, more so than just like, accepting coaching and whatever i think it is definitely the case that and we see this in all esports that the mm -hmm. like the first generation pro players they just have a different skill set than what is eventually when we have an idea what the game is played like um <clears throat> what uh, is required there and there's actually quite uh, not that many uh historical precedents of people that could you know or did have the talent or the the ability to switch up their their preferences or their um, their skills mm -hmm. in order to adapt to that no, new requirement? And it's that's also one of, like the the idea that this is one of my biggest pet peeves when people say, "Well, it's all about adaptability, and a team should absolutely be able to adapt to a meta if we were to go two to two, for instance, in playoffs." The, yes, to a degree, but people don't understand that there's an inherent talent that you're selecting for that is just very, very different and cannot be taught in the vast majority of cases. You're going to have subpar outcomes by switching up the game wildly on people that have been selected through other means. Like, even, for instance, if you look at esports history, people that were good in StarCraft 2 doesn't mean, uh, StarCraft 1 doesn't mean they were good in StarCraft 2. Actually, they were all pretty bad. If you, or, I mean, not the best in the world, sure, even sure. though they were gods in, uh, in StarCraft 1. Same in CS. There's very few players that transitioned over from 1.6 to uh, Source to um, CSGO. CSGO now, right? And in the same sense, like, honestly, uh, as far as I'm concerned, we already have our second version of the game going from dive uh, beforehand to now 3-3. Uh, uh, three, three. It's an entirely different game with entirely different talents. And it's honestly pretty astounding to me how many people are able to keep up with the uh, current changes. Mm -hmm. So it, it is inherently... Um, a property of esports games that keep switching and keep changing the formula and yeah I, th I think this is a necessary evil and it's going to be likely much worse if the for instance the overwatch 2 leak was to become true maybe we get overwatch 2 maybe after the next season and then we will see so many players drop so many careers will be ended by this if the game yeah. fundamentally changes and it, 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 I don't know if we want to immediately jump into that um, just yet, but yeah, Overwatch 2, that'd be a, a pretty big change, right? If you're going to make a second game, you got to change something fundamentally. You know, it, even if it's like a movement mechanic, that changes so much about I think it will fundamentally, we we're going to have huge system changes. They have real, I, I think the dev team has realized that they have some things to do. Th that are that don't make sense in game design, namely ultimates and their philosophy of switching. Um, certainly, like the the framework directly that they avoided ho uh, homogenization of characters. Uh, this is a, a topic in itself, but I think absolutely this game will 
change a lot and uh, an entirely new title would allow for drastic changes for the formula to f finally make sense it's it's not a surprise dude i remember when we were going into overwatch and then overwatch mm -hmm. league everyone that was involved or let's say 90 percent of the people still were skeptic about the game we all thought we haven't found the formula how this game is like at its peak or where it really makes sense in all regards right it's very like convoluted in many ways counterintuitive in in many that dude there's another thing like and that's just as to illustrate it's so confusing for viewers sometimes i was at the, at the atlantic showdown and the ability that makes the crowd like go Cheer high yeah is is when a shatter lands especially if it's a fat one mm. now in overwatch that doesn't mean that is that play will like even if you get a five-man shatter that doesn't mean you won that attack or yeah. that fight there could be a lose to beating and then the cards just are going like whoa and then nothing somehow happens. the team the team that either nothing happens or the team that had the fat shatter loses and there's so much confusion in in the crowd as to what happened it's mm. like it, it's just not intuitive enough so i think in that sense it almost has to or there's definitely room for it to change a lot i'm i'm not really upset with the uh, product that we currently have i think it will change a lot though and it will also be a big filter for uh current overwatch League pros i i completely agree that it will change a lot but a lot of the changes that will happen people will gloss over whether it's movement mechanics, whether it's, you know, minor tweaks to alt charge, these are going to be tiny, fundamental, like nuts and bolts changes and not the sexy, oh, we're going to add Brigitte a, a third arm with a with a Glock, right? Like nothing just superficial that's just going to add new abilities to the game, right? It, I don't think that's going to be Overwatch 2. I think Overwatch 2 is going to be, okay, let's figure out what we want this game to be because, again, Blizzard doesn't know what this game is going to be. We, we've gone through numerous fundamental changes across the years. First, it was Hero Limits. That was that was a core fundamental gameplay. You can find that still probably archived on Blizzard Battle.net forums. Immediately was changed. Okay, this isn't a fundamental. Okay, which is it? They constantly don't know what they want this game to be. And maybe Overwatch 2 will be a better idea. They, they, they've figured it out what they want. Again, if two two twos come in, I don't know. That's another fundamental change, right? Like we constantly are in a state of flux. We do, Blizzard doesn't know what Overwatch is going to be, um, and and hopefully this uh, this next one is a better uh, better answer to that question. So I, I do want to chime in about a couple of things. Hopefully it wasn't said before because I, I did have to step away for a second. Um, so Overwatch 2 can be one of two things, right? So or not one of mm. two, but but there's a few things that it could be. Uh sure. an actual replacement for the Overwatch that we have now. Uh it could also be kind of a supplemental replacement. So some people are saying my understanding is that Overwatch 2 would be PvE only. And then there's uh this kind of idea that I, I don't know, like it's so I, I cannot, I have no idea why they would make a PvE version of Overwatch and call it 2. Like, that just makes zero sense to me. Uh, maybe they'll do it. Maybe they'll... <laughs> I, guess the, I guess the big, like, like uh, retort to that is, well, maybe it's just like a code name. 
but usually with code names, especially with Blizzard. Blizzard they doesn't give do code, code names like that. But at the same time, no. uh, <laughs> maybe that's why they changed the code name because <laughs> everyone knows how they do the code names. I guess it, it seems so like tinfoil hatty convoluted. What I think it's very it's very likely that this is just going to be the next iteration of Overwatch fundamentally changed with PVE elements added on top that they've been asked I don't think it's for fundamentally for, community changed. Forever. That's the, that's the biggest thing where I disagree, and I, I, I use Destiny 2 as kind of my, my framework for that. If you play Destiny 1 and gone to Destiny 2, and you could switch back, like someone's brand new and yeah, say, yeah. hey, you're playing Destiny, and then you go back to Destiny 1 and be like, hey, you're playing Destiny 2 now. Th- would they actually know the difference? No, because graphically it's roughly the same. Um Like, systematically it's roughly the same, but there's a ton of sure. under-the-hood changes, and you could argue that Destiny 2 was just a marketing ploy because so many people had left Destiny from like the disappointing first three expansions or whatever. Uh, but at the same time, that applies to Overwatch. A lot of people left Overwatch because of the disappointing matchmaking, because of the uh, disappointing experience when you're in competitive mode, uh, because of some of the imbalances there. And purely from a marketing perspective, it makes sense to you know translate that code over you know, create all these systems needed to be able to address those things and create Overwatch 2 because, uh, sorry, dude, no matter what, Overwatch 1, I'm never playing because I had such a bad experience. Like, ooh, Overwatch mm-hmm. 2. Like, there could be, like, that marketing aspect of it. But honestly, at, at the end of the day, I believe that art style will be the same. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, I don't the, think I the don't idea think of six V six, these three, probably not pro- changing. Yeah. Like that stuff isn't really changing the heroes that we have now, I think will be there um, in More roughly the same kit that we have now, but we'll see some fundamental changes. Maybe all of a sudden we'll see, and I don't even want to say like roll lock, but even more fundamental changes um, mm-hmm. in that perspective of like, uh, whew, what's a good one. Um, I don't know, maybe something a little bit more punishing for griefers. Maybe something like, you know, like that sure. kind of thing where from from the fundamental, maybe they maybe they reevaluate hero locks. Maybe they reevaluate those types of things and just say, you know what, this makes a better esport. I like I am eighty five percent sure that we're gonna see Overwatch two at BlizzCon. I am eighty five percent sure we're gonna see some uh supplemental content to the overwatch that we know now, whether it's through some sort of like TV show movie or some PVE version of it. I'm about 85% there. Um, but you know, like it's, they're not going to make an overwatch two and just have it be totally separate from overwatch one. Yeah. Otherwise they they call it. And again, maybe two is just the code name, but otherwise you call it, you know, overwatch chronicles, overwatch chronicles, Origins, Overwatch, uh, archives, world of Overwatch. I don't know. Sure. Like there's, there's ways that you see developers title things. And this doesn't feel like a code name. This doesn't feel like some sort of side project that's going to be, you know, added on. This doesn't feel like a big patch. Um, even though granted, I think correct me if I'm wrong, but was, was heroes of the storm 2.0, not kind of considered heroes of the storm two. 
in a way because it was like this big overhaul of the game and the way that the ui looked and the way that the game mechanics like currency wise kind of worked like it felt like almost a sequel but not really all right these are really bad names in twitch chat by the way but agent five brings up a good point says why bring out a system like workshop if you're just going to bring out a new game in a year or so and the, it doesn't mean it can't be ported over. Yeah, so the, the short mm-hmm. answer is is probably a big amount of the time is making sure that these things are compatible in some way or another. Yep. Like that, that's, that's also great. That's what I would bet of, on. It's also a great bridge of content when you have time to fill and can't develop as much for Overwatch One, right? Yeah. Like pe- let people make your content. You can s- maybe slowly slow down, reallocate resources to uh, the second project, and have people still be happy with. What are you putting out? I think the way that they've got like the little code system for Workshop is pretty brilliant. I think that if this has been in mind, which I'm of the opinion that it probably has been for a long time, um, by what I mean by that is like extending Overwatch's life cycle. Like again, you don't sell investors from traditional sports on a, a three to five year esport if if you're going to franchise, right? Like this is going to have to last for a while and. I don't think one game was going to last for three to five years. I don't know that this was going to be the new League of Legends. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of always assumed that that was going to be the case where somehow they're going to have to extend Their, this life cycle. Overwatch 2 would have been a part of the conversation in franchising. Yeah. yeah. It, it, w- it would have had to have been. Even if you're like, we're going to update the game, reship it, and that's how we're going to make all of our money. Yeah, uh, I, and 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 the question like begs to be asked: like, what happens to Overwatch One? Does that go free to play? Does the monetization model change? That kind of has to rear its head again. Like, does this change? I don't know. Yeah, it'd be I, interesting to see because that was like the big you know hoopla about Overwatch One. Everybody assumed it was going to be free to play, and it wasn't. Have they thought about that going into Overwatch Two? If we think what it if we think if we're correct in what we think it is um i i I guess there's there might be room to talk there i don't know we're gonna definitely do a more like uh planned yeah overwatch 2 conversation this was definitely we actually did not plan on talking about overwatch 2 uh but we just did and you're welcome uh did you guys talk about asher no asher so let's go back to the news in overwatch league for a second asher quote-unquote retires from the toronto defiant uh, presumably after seeing the Baroy video. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, besides that, Asher has retired. Uh, this is kind of, you know, Asher maybe uh, like, there, I don't know. There's part of me that feels like never quite lived up to the overall talent that he had, even though uh, leadership wise, he definitely, uh, provided a lot for teams, but, uh, like, I don't know, man. Asher is kind of a tragic story for me, and I hate to see him leaving like this halfway through season two. But I don't know. Maybe you guys have a different take on it. For me, Asher was someone I was flabbergasted at that he made Overwatch League. Um, then he, he had a period where he wasn't absolutely bad it was all right it was serviceable at best and then like he joins the defined and my take is that he did help the team out in other ways than just playing and 
um, I also think he's just a a chill guy, you know, like so, someone that won't cause any problems and can maybe even mediate between fronts or whatever. Yeah. So, in that regard, he certainly like still uh, had value. I wonder if there wouldn't have been an option, for instance, for him to go into coaching. I don't know if he has a knack for it, but yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. Like, this is not his meta, even if it is his meta. He's like, there's more outstanding talent coming into the Overwatch League. While the demand for them has also increased with new expansion teams, I still think, yeah, he would have been like mm. towards the bottom and would have also been yeah. phased out rather soon. The the advantages that I always heard of, of Asher were not always uh, in game, right? Like mm -hmm. it was just a lot of really solid positivity, work ethic, leadership, and my understanding and is is that and what? And he can sing. And he can sing. I don't know that he could sing. Uh, apparently, he's got a quite a nice voice. A couple of bites. Yeah, couple. you heard that in the Baroi video. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Let's put that behind <clears throat> us, shall we? So Asher, Asher has retired. Yiska, uh, 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 I, I do want to hear a little bit. You were at the Atlantic Showdown. Yes. How was that, um, man? I, I was <clears throat> gone for it. I was, in, I was at DreamHack during, while this whole thing was happening, so I only kind of got to, to, to watch and, and, and keep track intermittently. For the, mm. for the layman, like, give, me, give me the rundown of everything that you took away from that so the the experience was kind of cool like the venue is very laid back i already made a video on it how it's a how this type style of tournament where it's like more laid back you know the casters are sitting on a couch like the the players are getting to sort of hang out chill have a practice area but can also communicate with fans it's more of a homely atmosphere um how that is a very good entrance for rookie players into you know the entire circus because we sort of need to guide them in like many of them coming from basically no professional background into this and th i think this is a nice transition period also as a product it's just an entertaining bit that stands out from the you know polished very professionalized uh, tone of the overwatch league where we can maybe carve out something for western overwatch there more player interviews more flair more style you know some some uh substance there and yeah so in general it definitely like informed my beliefs on a couple of topics such as how important LAN is like the one thing that I came away with is so coming into the LAN and I don't think I made that public but I thought Envy had a shot admittedly I also thought uh, Funi and uh, British Hurricane would do fairly well. Um, what I will say, though, is the current narrative is very confusing to me that EU teams are clearly, like, pointed out as, like, this terrible team when, like, uh, British Hurricane could have very well won against Envy, right? Mm -hmm. It was on the last sub-map. Fair enough. You got to win those as well. Then against Atlanta, definitely heavily boomed. Um, that is also something that I will not in the future underestimate. 
LAN Overwatch, A, the environment you're in, and then also the client you're playing on, and also the, your opposition that suddenly doesn't have this huge ping disadvantage in Funi's case, that is, might as well be a different game. It is so huge. And then the pattern really is, if you look at um, the final results, it, yes, it is that the NA teams are doing better, and that is definitely a, t a pattern that has to be recognized, but also uh, that teams with LAN experience, experience so the teams well. that had players who had more LAN experience, Funi, all of them other than Karkar had uh, LAN experience, extensive LAN experience, actually. Um, then Envy also, they have a couple of uh, players on this roster that have been around for a long time. While other teams had like half their roster, like underage in AT's case, uh, so many parents there, by the way, because they had to have legal guardians, like f from 15 to 17. Um, that was certainly uh, important realization. Also, I'll tell you right now, Alarm is going to be a superstar. And if they play their cards right, they got their bad boy of the Overwatch League. The way that he carries himself, like, there's so little anecdotes, just like how he walks up to the booth and has this little Balenciaga swag walk going into the booth and stuff like that. And it's just, like, cool and collected and just clutches it in the, like... Funi online is a different beast, dude. Like, it's, it's... I was fortunate enough to listen to some of the coaches talk after the event, right? Like, uh, between... Um, Envy and uh, Fusion, and it's like they they said, yeah, that's I mean it's night and day playing you guys offline and online. You can exploit especially tank players so heavily <coughs> on high ping because so much of it is reactive, right? Um, like evading a shatter or something on reaction, or like turning up around for a bomb, or like trying to um, eat a graph. Stuff like this is so so much harder on high ping on low ping like funi they are just the real deal and that also in part informed my opinion saying that dude it's, it's like there's so many it's more than alarm too i think there's really some standard players if you pair that with fusion uh, with a fusion with a their, uh, uh, first team I mean that team is going to be nuts. I'm I'm convinced. Like these these players already carry themselves in such a veteran way. It's crazy. Other than nice, maybe, but he's a 16. So what can you expect? Yeah, it's gonna be a while. Cool, man. I mean that's that's a really cool experience. I kind of want to do a breakdown sometime of just like Atlantic Showdown and just for for me what i hear is the the importance of these types of events lan events for these tier 2 teams who can kind of show off a little bit more their their worth because i, I think you said and and <laughs> you've had quite a day this morning on reddit about it but mm. let me grab the official tweet here just so i make sure twitter.com slash yiska out yiska out man i can't type right now so you had said this morning, if Philadelphia Fusion is able to promote their entire academy roster next season and match correctly with their existing roster, we'll see the third on-paper superpower team in Overwatch League. Uh, so the same superpower? You said... Su just a 
super team. Sorry, super, super team. team. Oops. Superpower. Yeah. I'm from uh, the United States, so naturally, <laughs> uh, of course, I yeah. think a superpower when I see the word super or San Francisco shock. <laughs> That's also a super team, right? So, um, in general, okay. So alarm set. I think in Neptuno is nuts. I think, um, or in general, the current form that he has doesn't really concern me that much. Mm-hmm. I think Elk would be a fine backline. Their coaches tell me that he's basically a talent like uh, Moth is, for instance, which is very interesting to me if someone can do what Moth does for Shock. Mm-hmm. Remains to be seen, of course. We need to see that in an Overwatch League uh, environment. Um, <clears throat> Then, I mean, the, the DPS in, on Fusion were never in question, right? Like, do you still have EQO and uh, Carpe? And then they also have some additions. Fair enough, Nice wouldn't be eligible uh, for next year. We're also not going to have GOATS next year. It, we're likely going to have something that, you know, speaks more to EQO and Carpe. And then um, their tank line. Okay, so I heard some people say there's some question marks regarding um, the quality of the main tank specifically in Changsik or Sado. For one, I don't think the Sado ship has sailed at all. I, I agree he's not performing well. I also think that he has some potential left um, to improve upon. A lot, actually. I could easily see that. If Let's say this. If Super can improve this much, where he becomes feasibly, possibly the best main tank in the world, mm-hmm. then... <clears throat> On a talent level, I think Sato has it as well. Um, and then, once again, it's so hard for me to uh, to read um, off tanks. I did content about this in the past, but I'm being told that Bernard also offline is insane in terms of what he can do for a team and that we shouldn't um, necessarily read what he did in Contenders over the season as closely simply because of the circumstances of pings and also let's not forget waking up at night sometimes not waking up sometimes getting elk tweeted at so um yeah i think this team is going to be insane like the just like we i i declared london a super team i think we have to redefine the definition simply because like last year it was very feasible to say okay the super team is is five players and then maybe someone that is perhaps average, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's fair to say about London, especially with Nuss, who never for me was an out- outstanding uh, player. <clears throat> I think we raised the bar this season, man. Like, mm-hmm. Shock and Titans are that. They are that. They have, like, they don't have dead weight on their team. I mean, like, there's a potential that next season we, we kind of redefine it again. That bar gets raised once again. Um, you know, there. I think there are... There is a discussion to be had that, you know, there will be a big roster shakeup again. You look at London, they have some fundamental kind of problems. Why are they so inconsistent? Do they need a rebuild? Do they shed some players? What players do they shed? Do they go to, you know, form another super team? Do they bolster an NYXL, a Shock, a Titans? Um, Do London pick up? super team-esque players you know like there's more yes. talent being injected in the league that's very you know very touted kind of generational like alarm um yes there's room for more crazy talent in this league and that's that's the fun part is next year is just going to get better hopefully Gu- hopefully guys it's also you know how hard it is to pr- uh, promote four players and not have yeah. anyone from the overwatch league come in with a 
way fatter contract that your player is also more interested in. Like, I, I think people don't under understand how big this caveat is. Like, if they could, right, assemble the, or promote their team, it's going to be very, very challenging. I don't know if we want to talk about this, but do you want to? Do you guys have any opinions on the whole Fraggy meme? Because I'm like kind of over it. Let Fraggy f man. Let Fraggy. F Am I the only one that's just like I don't think he would do anything? It's because he's not Korean. So whatever, dude. You're biased. Maybe yeah. you're a racist. I don't know. <laughs> just kidding. You're not racist. No, no, no. It, it's I just. And I like the guy. He's nice enough. I just don't get the whole, well, it couldn't get any worse. I think it could. I think there's yeah. there's good enough reasons why he isn't playing that just because you haven't seen him play in a long time doesn't make the team better. I, I don't. I don't I don't know if people are being serious. There are so many really variables don't. that shift. So don't get me wrong. Fraggy's marketable. <laughs> he is yes, marketable. Yeah. But uh, I think there's a lot of variables that have shifted, right? Like it's almost it's it's to me like this is a super extreme example. Settle down YouTube comments. But it's kind of like let flower play because you did so good in World Cup two years ago. Yeah. And we saw that and we remember that and it was glorious. And therefore flower two years ago immediately translates to maybe a different way that NYXL can play now. But <laughs> Uh, it's just I'm like I'm sorry, man. Like it's just not <laughs> just because he, you know, like whatever. The, and and so what's what's the anecdotes people use, Joe? So number one, uh, they made playoffs multiple times, including season playoffs, is one of the anecdotes. Uh, he's super aggressive, so made some pretty cool highlights. Yes. Um. What what other anecdotes am I missing about Fraggy? You know, Janice people... is pretty aggressive too, guys. Who? Don't see them doing so good. Jonas. He's pretty aggressive. You guys like Jonas in the chat? Huh? We we fans of Washington Justice? Yeah. I, I, I don't think the fusion would somehow stoop to that level, but just because somebody's aggressive doesn't mean that they fit within that team, doesn't fit with the no. personalities. You know, it's it's more than just play Fraggy. It, it can't get any worse. Like <laughs> I won't claim that I know what what's going on or sure, like how sure. good Fraggy is even at this point. But it's it's kind of presumptuous to think that if there was a benefit that Fusion coaches, yeah, tried right. it. Fusion has been one of the most flexible uh teams in terms of like just like adapting. Mm -hmm. Like didn't they uh move in Snillo in a game five in a play stage playoff yeah. game or something like this? Like you don't do like they are open to change, and if it's not happening, then it's not happening. At the same time, I, I gotta say, I question the their uh, extension of the contract because let's sure. be real, if if there was value in you know triggering his plus one clause, I assume that he has. So meaning he's signing him on for a second season, then there is not a better season to play him than this season. Would have been right that only ryan that's what he's brought yeah. on for it's, it's sort of like spree what when you're not playing spree in this meta yeah. what are you what doing, are you doing? Right. so and, and, and i agree with that i agree that philly needs to make a change somehow somewhere i just don't see how Fraggy's the answer to your question hmm. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, it's possible that he has some tangential benefit behind that. Maybe that's realistically Here's... the second option. They wanted to have a substitute player that could slot in if Sato is sick or whatever. At the same time, it's, it seems like a low-value investment. Here's what you do. You ignore the upcoming match against the Gladiators. You take them, you play him against Uprising. You play him against Rain. Ah, man, even Rain's going to be tough. I don't like, I don't even like it into Boston. And Boston's yeah. kind of on a downswing, but I don't like it into Boston. Either. And they play Boston yeah. again in week four. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm still kind of weird on Boston. I don't know. Maybe we'll get into yeah. how we think so about you the teams after Fusion. week five. So you take Fusion. So in week five, you play him against Justice and Shanghai. Hope. I think he gets blown out by Shanghai Justice. Hope. I think would be okay. I'm talking here. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, you, you hope that they they bust out a win with Fraggy playing against Boston, Justice, and Shanghai, and then you sell them. That's the best thing Fusion can do with Fraggy right now. I mean, I I like where you're going with it. I just I don't know. I'm sorry, guys. Fraggy's not happening. Yeah, no. It's just not, not happening. Happen. Uh, I want them to happen. Uh, Fraggy versus Fusions. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty dope matchup. Honestly, there are some things I like about that matchup. But um, besides that, I still like, I don't know. Hopefully, not hopefully. Hopefully for Fusion, Boston continues this downward trend because they, mm. did, they didn't have a great week in season one or in week one, right? Yeah, no. They get swept by London, and then they get beat by Paris Eternal. That if that is an accurate barometer for what's going on here, it immediately puts them in you know bottom four, right? Five. I don't know where I've got them, but it's lower for sure. If that's the barometer, if those two Sounds results like are the bo- barometer. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyways, uh, hopefully. I don't know. I like I like Fraggy. I like Fraggy a lot. I hope we never don't see him in Overwatch League. Uh, but unfortunately, that doesn't win games or pay paychecks, unless you're Jake. Uh, okay. So, uh, what, what do we let, let's uh, do? We want, is there anything we want to talk about in the previous week's games here? Because we're running, we're actually running out of time a little bit. Um, NYXL bringing in SBB on Sombra, changing up That's their style. Weird. Houston fans, you can call your, weird. you can you can cool your jets. I think that was just a you know them figuring out this new style. Jitters on stage with the new player. You know, Meko, you, you Meko came close, but you lost game five again. As far as uh, I understand, Meko is sick, and that's why they're playing this. It is very interesting that we see maybe a small increase uh, among the top tier teams in just Sombra. I'm still not convinced that's like actually so, uh, the way to go, but yeah, it's, it's I've heard differently in the sense that New York is kind of hoping to develop some, like a, a different play style completely. Mm-hmm. And Sabiobi is a big part of that. Yeah, I think so. See, my, my problem with all of this is I understand that you probably have or want to be the best team in the Overwatch League, just like you were for large parts last year. And you feel like you're not going to do that um, with the current... Uh, you're not going to outgoats Shock or Vancouver at this point. 
No, you're going no, to be, be blown out every single time. So, I at the same time, I fear for you that it might actually make you drop uh, in points because of that. Now, of course, maybe Atlanta also put the fear in you that you need to just change something. That's very possible. Um, at the same time, yeah, it's it's a bold move. I, in a sense, I kind of like it if it is actually mm -hmm. the motivation behind it. If it's like, we cannot be the best this way, so we've got to find a way to uh, be the best. We're probably going to qualify for playoffs anyway. Let's take a gamble. It's fairly safe in yeah. comparison. So in, in that regard, I like it also. I mean, there's also the benefit of just keeping SBB warm. He is probably their franchise player, I would say. So that's not a uh, satisfying state of affairs for them from the marketing perspective of not playing him. True. So, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if that informs uh, coach decisions. And once again, yeah, probably... From what I know about Overwatch League coaches, they aren't super concerned about the marketing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there are definitely some more hands-on GMs who, you know, may, may just nudge and be like, hey, is there yeah, a world where that, we uh... make this happen? Yeah. Is that is is there a way we can make that like you know no no pressure, but also like we're the most successful. Team. I want to hear that story behind the scenes of the GM coming in and be like, we're putting in Carpe, we're you know sub him in, yeah. and it just fails miserably. <laughs> Sounds like the outlaws. Um, yeah. Any anything else from last week? I I, um, I you know it was. Think you it, think Atlanta's the real deal? Oh, that's oh man, that's a good point. So Atlanta Reigns steal maps from both the San Francisco Shock. They take two against San Francisco. Yeah. Take one against the Titans. And it felt a little bit closer than even that. Um uh, but Atlanta but, but Atlanta, right? Atlanta has kind of been the this weird team that seems to do well against the big three right now. The big three being mm. Shock, Titans, and NYXL, specifically NYXL. Right, yeah. uh, defeating NYXL. I mean, was twice. it was it? Yeah, twice. Once in playoffs, or no? I could be. I could no, be no. Right. Both in the regular season, so both week regular, three and you. week five in stage two. God, you're a, a Merriam-Webster's dictionary of Overwatch. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, Atlanta Rain have definitely like shown themselves to be the teams who like. Who was the team last last year who like? won against teams they shouldn't have and lost against teams they shouldn't have. Um, hmm. Like, Philly? Houston kind of did that sometimes. Yeah. Philly kind of did that sometimes. Funnily enough, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, I don't know. But, but, but they're kind of, like, solidifying themselves as a team who can actually show up and play, or at least they have some magical mismatch against some of these top teams that make them perform better than they do against some of these really bad teams. Mm -hmm. uh, so Atlanta rain, I mean, they've got a big week. I think I'm going to double check to make sure big week coming up Atlanta rain against Shanghai and then soul dynasty. So big week here. Yeah. Real this is going deal. To be very interesting. Real deal. I, I I'm willing to give them more credit. I don't know that they're, breaching into that shanghai soul territory of like what would it be like four to four to eight four to seven kind of spots in, in terms of power rankings but they're they're getting they're in that mix now i think i think they're solidly in that kind of mix and mm. 
I think they're only getting better. There's definitely problems that I, I see with them. I, I obviously timings on things, timings on specifically support ultimates, um, not been my favorite, but uh, they're finding success either way. So um, we'll, we'll have to see. I, I think that there's room for them to actually do well in, in week two. EU underscore FOD asks, is NYXL even part of the big three? They're way too human now. Dude, I highly disagree with this. Uh, I mean, mm. you look at them, right? They're plus 35 map, map differential. Titans are plus 44. Shocker plus 34. And the next team is plus 13. Like, just on yeah. that, around, like, when you are 21, 22 maps above number four, like, you can't ignore that. I, right. I guess the argument would be that their last three matches were honestly underwhelming in that regard. And if you if you just say, like, from power rankings per, uh, perspective, where you should have more recency bias in your estimation because you're trying to judge teams right now, I think I can definitely see a discussion where it's not clear that uh, NYXL... A, I think they're NYXL the ones holding on, not in right? that. They're the ones who have yeah. to prove and hold yes. on to that. Yes. But... I, I don't put who else do you put at three though? Well, yeah, when you no, have twenty else when you really have twenty two when you have twenty two maps on the on the next person, um and four wins, honestly, on the mm -hmm. next person out of the top three. Like, I mean, imagine going one and four. They can go one and four this season, and then Gladiators, Spitfire, or Valiant all have to go five and oh in this yeah. stage to even get up there. Like they they yes, they have solidified themselves there. Yes, they have created a, a a situation of risk where in the sense mm -hmm. of if they continue to underperform, teams are going to catch up to that. But yeah, uh, yeah, they are definitely still there. I, yeah. I, 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 I still think that they're there. If you say, John, who are the teams to beat in Overwatch? Like, who are the best teams? You always put Vancouver there. You put Shock there. And I put NYXL there. And yes, I do feel confident in saying big three. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah, I think I, I think I, the gap's gotten closer. I'll say that. Sure. The gap between what? Like the big three and like the middle of the pack. I think that gap is closed. And I do uh, think I that think NYXL, I think you have Titan Shock, you have NYXL, mm -hmm. and then you have four through whatever, seven. I don't, eight, I don't like seven, the dance. Yeah. That, for me, it's like Shock, uh, Vancouver, NYXL, and then whatever is the behind nah, them. I, I don't think, think that distance that is super low. Dude, the, the distance between NYXL and uh, Vancouver or Shock is very significant. I think, that, I don't think like, it's very, I think it's significant, but I think that the distance between NYXL and the rest is even more significant. I think yeah. it's stage three. So who do we have? Who does, who do NYXL have in stage three? Let's By the see. way, real quick, while we look this up, right? Like I just looked at Atlantis records. They are, I think, nine, nine and nine maps against the top three teams. NYXL, quote, yes. You have to give the caveat that NYXL is not one of those two. So they have two mm -hmm. matches there. Uh, so they're nine and nine and are two and two in matches. That is considerable, right? Mm -hmm. Like that is, and that's why this following week, that is the most interesting stuff that's going to happen is where, where will we be able to say where Atlanta lands? Yeah. Because what is also in there in this four game streak is a fifth game 
against Guangzhou that they lost. And that, once again, it's like, okay, where are you guys? Like, are you just like always playing up to your opponent's potential and then sometimes uh, trumpeting him? Like, what's, what's the deal here, right? And that, mm. I think we'll find out this week. So Eternal, Spitfire, um, Fuel, and then Mayhem, Defiance. So maybe not the best, probably not the best stage to like differentiate that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, uh, what the NYXL has lost twice, and Yiska, you said earlier in the in the show that NYXL has only lost to Defiant, or sorry, to 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 the rain twice. Mm. So both of those losses are from the rain. They've beat everybody else. I don't have time to go through everybody else and tell you, you know, maybe maybe they're just skating through on strength of schedule alone. Honestly, in stage one, the first two weeks are a laugh. Defiance. Dynasty, they beat uh, Shock, they 4-0 in stage one. You know, like, I don't know, man. Like, until we see Shock NYXL again or Titans NYXL again, I can't take two losses against Atlanta and be like, oh, they're, they're not a top three. Because we just saw Atlanta do what they did this last week. For sure. Do you Are you concerned about the style switchup, though? That's uh, where that's where I I start to question them. Is is this style going to beat the two top teams? I, I don't. So, think so. I I was because Houston Outlaws three to two. You look at that first you know first match, boom, uh, new style ah. But then you know they turn around and they four zero London, who you know which is good. Just four zero Boston. Like Boston, you could have said it was like you know Boston is one of those gatekeeping teams in the sense that mm. you know they they can definitely show up you know they're going to play solid fundamentals and if you can't ble- beat boston you can't beat a playoff caliber team even if boston ends up not being a playoff caliber team mm-hmm. I, I would know. also say one of the most hype killing games for me la- last week was uh glatz against dallas because the, that game for me disqualified Dallas from being in the talks of being like a contender for they the got, third or fourth they got spot. Trounced. Yeah, and I'm not sure what's what OG is doing. Uh, like, I, I can see how OG is an emotional player, and once things don't work out for you, how the momentum works against you. Sometimes you have to work with players like that. Dude, I was watching the first map. He came into the match tilted. Like that was one of the worst performances he has had in Overwatch League on, uh, yeah, or Aces, I think. So, yeah, I I don't know. It's that's kind of it's always sad when you when you can clearly disqualify like a team from or just just say that it's less likely that we're going to have serious competition from a team with the top spots. Right? That's just devalues the experience for me okay fair enough uh man uh so atlanta we we kind of talked about let's talk about this match coming up valiant versus charge uh joe put in quotations the most improved team matchup actually, that was this that is me, yiska, actually. yiska yeah uh valiant versus charge the most improved team matchup uh tell me why you're highlighting this match this week yiska because this is uh this seems like a snore fest, I think, to to a lot of uh, Overwatch League fans. 
So just based on the first half of the season, both of these teams really had underwhelming performances. Of course, I think Valiant was the most shocking one with their strong season one uh, records and then coming into stage uh, season two, having a like a Shanghai stage, I guess we can call it in stage one. Stage two also not really convincing, but they hit some of the worst teams. Uh, I think they could win against... Did they win against Houston then? Was that their win? Or was what? it Mayhem? Sorry? Um, Valiant, what was the first victory of the season? Was it Mayhem or was it Houston? Or was it even Justice? I'm not sure. Heck if I know. Let me look. Anyway, like since then, since they uh, the takeover, the firing of Moon and packing taken over and them taking a new... Um, new direction i think i honestly think they have uh, a very much improved team it won't be enough to make playoffs or play-ins but it's still there's st uh, still definitely a trajectory going upwards and the same can be said about the charge i think a uh, charge also for the most part pretty underwhelming but their recent improvements have kept their playoff hopes alive a little bit still a hard way a long way to go but uh in terms of that it's going to be interesting how these i think you would probably have to give it to charge uh just on a percentage basis but it's still a, a game where we like okay so we have two teams that are clearly um going be beyond what they were initially capable of how do they match up i think that's a very interesting matchup uh, if I'm looking at uh, Wikipedia correctly, the Valiant's first win was against Atlanta in Stage 2. Oh. Stage 2. Yeah. <laughs> That's rough. Okay. Then it was completely... I think that was not Atlanta's first showing, but I think that was when DeFrange's leaving, Baby Bay's coming in, still trying mm. to figure out exactly what they're doing. Um, so, not excusable, but uh, definitely... True. Have have some asterisks on that. So, yeah, mm -hmm. charges. Uh, charges an interesting little team. I don't know exactly how I feel about them. I, I I get Chengdu vibes sometimes, and then other times it feels like they're one of those teams that's just chasing the the goats pinata, the goats kind of carrot on a stick. Um, that they just want to play goats when I think that they could do a lot better by playing to their players, playing towards Eileen, playing towards Kib, and and using his flexibility a little bit more. Um. I think they are figuring out that they're, you know, they're a Sombra. They're a little bit Doomfisty. They want to go on control and they want to play some DPS with Happy. And I think that's probably enough to to deal with the new Valiant. Uh, but again, we'll have to see. It, it's very interesting. Does Charge decide to to play their color? Um, how good is Valiant really? Um, yeah, I, I think it is a, a pretty interesting matchup. As as kind of subpar as it is, it's still pretty interesting. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I think I think we're also getting to the point where more and more teams are just theoretically going to be out of playoffs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Especially getting there for the Mayhem. I think even perfect stages would not turn that. I mean, that's another uh, team. I don't know if you want to talk. I didn't catch that game, but didn't seem to look much better. No. No. You don't say. The no. Shocker. The most, the most hyped thing I, I am for is uh, the Mayhem Academy players uh, keeping their slot. I think is what happened. Oh, is that the? I know something just got announced. Is that what was? Is I that think so. Yeah. I, saw? I, th I think that is uh, what's happening. Manitou okay. on this. Mangachu, I remix apply. 
APZ, Paintbrush, and Lyar uh, on Revival. Revival. And then Reprise and Renathera is are the coaches. I think Reprise technically would be the holder of the contender spot. By the way, in, in this, we have to say Mayhem is actually kind of fair to uh, how they treat former players and um, what they do with the. Uh, I mean, it's it's a business decision for them. You can question that decision, but how they treated the players, I hear, was a, a fair, which is not a given in a novel. Oh, we've heard yeah. we've heard like people getting thrown out, um, like on a moment's notice out of their apartment or whatever. That's yeah. not what um, what mayhem has been doing with their players. It's good. It's good. Uh Let's wrap up here. We do have a couple of uh, questions from the chat. Uh, and, and actually, a uh, couple of questions. Do you think EU Contenders was overrated? If so, how did it get so far? And somebody else had also had... Uh, yeah, yeah. if not, how can you explain the results of Atlantic Showdown being so one-sided? And... Uh, Yiski, you want to take this one, dude? Because you're EU, so clearly you know everything. I mean, I'm I'm not particularly peeved in any way. I think um, it is explainable with uh, land rockets. It's also probably explainable that maybe the 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 uh, matchups or what was theorized wasn't uh, didn't match up in the way it did. I would say it would be sad if Opti didn't think anything else but what he said. It's, I also don't think that NA versus uh, or w the Western teams against Korean contenders teams has been sort of proven by anything that we saw at Showdown. I don't know how it would. Come on, stop arguing with transitional properties. Um, I will also say that it wasn't as as big of a blowout as people make it out to be. Now imagine if uh, British Hurricane wins that match, then they are in the position that Envy is in, right? Mm -hmm. Then they def then EU has two slots at the Atlantic uh, at the Gauntlet. Then uh, they pro even if AT plays exactly the same way, they still win against AT, and then they would have likely lost against Envy, which has still been two um, two NA teams in the final possibly, and then three and four. For Europe, yes, it would have been still a convincing performance by the two best NA teams, but um, at the same time, it wouldn't have been as terrible as it looks on paper now. And also how it is in effect for the gauntlet spot. Yep. Cool. All right. Second question. Yo, John, I got to hear you guys talk about how bad the Philly Fusion are. <laughs> the performance last week was just shocking. Like, Joe, anything to add to that? I feel like we talked quite a bit about the Fusion tonight. I, again, go back and listen to our, our preseason talk and you hear me, you know, defend my position that Philly is not going to do well this season because they made no changes. They did not keep up with the pack. I still stand by that. They're not doing well. It's not because they don't have a new injection of talent, but they're not iterating on their problems. They're not taking um, whatever is happening behind the scenes, whatever is causing them inconsistencies. They have not identified that and they have not tried to even put a bandaid on it. They're just kind of winging it and it's it's falling, but they're falling behind. It, 
I, I don't know what you change about it. I think it is um, something in the locker room. I think it is not just, you know, oh, Sato's bad or whatever your opinion might be, whatever player you decide to, to pin it on. I don't think it's just that player. I think it's a, a team thing. Um, and I think they, along with a lot of the other inconsistent teams, are going to be trading players. Not this season. Um, I think postseason, you're going to see a lot of moves. Um, is that going to remedy things? I don't know. But um, change needs to happen for sure. But Fraggy's not that change. They're, they're not good. <laughs> Your misery asks, would Philly be better if Funy roster was playing instead of the main roster now? Yiska, I have a feeling that you would say uh, unequivocally yes. Uh, yeah. 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 If like, they were able to, yeah, I think so. Yeah. One third of the teams are poker facing. The other third is competing for the play-ins and the last third is eliminated. Yep. I mean, that's not untrue. What do you think of the new Montreal Rebellion and Giganti rosters? I don't care about the Montreal Rebellion since they removed Dream from their coaching roster. F*** them. Oof. Um, <laughs> I don't even know who's on that team. Let me look. Exactly. I, think, I don't know if they're finalists yet. Uh... Goliath, uh, Tensanaga, Logic, Smex. Looks okay. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm like the worst at NA. I don't, I don't watch it. So I'm, I'm not the. You don't Ross, watch the worst region. And. No, apparently I do yeah, watch the kidding. worst region. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, <laughs> that's the, uh, the ongoing argument recently, right? Yeah. So uh, for. Let, let me take the gigantic one real quick. Um, it's interesting. Where's Vizility? Where's he going? Why is he not there? Right? That's something that uh, people probably should be talking about. If he is at all going somewhere, no idea. Um, but from what I hear, the floppy head coach move is an interesting one. Because um, Depending on who you talk to, Flubby was really instrumental in what happened at Second Wind all these uh, seasons, and to see him now on a on a team that's um, more professionalized and uh, also more stable, um, it will be interesting to see what he be able to do. And I hope that because honestly, like Europe is going to be a, in a rough patch. Like British Hurricane is there. AT has been uh, picked for their parts. Um, Samsung, maybe we, we don't know, but there's there is there is probably going to be a bit of a vacuum that needs to be filled, and hopefully f with a very good Giganti performance. Mm. Something that's kind of breaking, kind of not. I just must have missed it this morning. But Kodak is going from the Atlanta Rain to Atlanta Rain Academy. Yeah. Mm. Um, not a, apparently not a two way. Apparently, it's weird. just a full academy player. A I don't know how that works. Not a two way. So it, it, he, I think there's a rule that you can't have more than two two ways, and they already got two. So uh, yeah, I think it's right. in one match, isn't it? Yeah, in one match. It's yes. something they like that. Be able but, to play uh, with bizarre. Still, yeah. yeah. Who are the two? Gator uh, and Dream says you can have four. You can have four, but I don't you can't think you have can have more than two oh, playing yeah. at once, right? Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So, anyways, that's interesting. Um, yeah. I don't know. I feel like we can end it there, right? True. It was a good, was a good return. Good fun show. Yeah. Good one. Put that Baroy <laughs> video behind us. 
or in front of us or on our phone screens at 1 a.m when mom what's and that meme where, where it's it's wolverine in the bed you know do it do it for him yeah we, we just... yeah yeah exactly yeah let's not talk about that outro panda dance yeah probably <laughs> yeah like yeah probably uh for sure a panda sandwich I would love to be in that panda sandwich. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Thank you guys for hanging out uh, for episode 37 of Tactical Crouch. Of course, follow us on Twitter at Tactical underscore Crouch. Listen to us everywhere that you can listen to podcasts. Literally anywhere. Just type in Tactical Crouch. Spotify, Google Podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict. We're everywhere. We're also on YouTube uh, on Twitch. Or sorry, YouTube.com slash Kick Tripod. Or just type in Tactical Crouch. We'll be right there as well. If you want to support the show, uh, follow the Twitch, follow the Twitter, follow the YouTube. If you're like, you know what, man? I really like the the hour and a half episodes. I love getting them four and a half hours a week for totally free. I've got more than that I can give you. Sub to us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash kicktripod. Donate. You can actually donate right on the channel as well. There's There's a button down below. You can donate. Really appreciate it. We might have some more news coming soon. I know we've been talking a lot about a Patreon. We need to have one more conversation about it, but we probably will be pulling the trigger on that as a way to just kind of say thank you to those who support and like our content the most and finding a way to really highlight that. And you know what? Maybe play some games together. Like that might be kind of fun, right? So, yep. Yeah. Who knows? Other than that, uh, before we get out of here, uh, Yiska, shout outs for the week and where can people find you? Um, I'm, I'm, I got a bunch of content ideas from the Atlantic Showdown. Can't really say I was really lacking time to do them, but I'm definitely going to do them. It's sort of like a vacation period right now. And it's, it's like, I'm ironically working more when I'm in the workflow and then working less when I have time. So yeah, I'm definitely going to have at least two or three episodes of uh, thinking it over this week. Cool. All right. And I don't know if Yiska, if you said it or not, but follow him everywhere at Yiska out. Twitter.com slash Yiska out. YouTube.com slash Yiska out. It's everywhere. Yiska out. Uh, Joe, what about you? Shoutouts for the week. Where can people find you? Um, you can find me uh, at Volamel on all of the old social media platforms, you know, YouTube, Twitter, all that good stuff. Um, I'm working on the next uh, letter to the future fans. I'm going to be doing a, a little deep dive on uh, one of NA's sweetheart teams. We'll uh, let you ponder on who that might be. Um, but that should be done sometime soon, next couple days. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much what's on the docket right now. Sweet. As for me, you can find me everywhere at kicktripod, twitch.tv slash kicktripod, twitter.com slash kicktripod, and youtube.com slash kicktripod. Uh, YouTube is basically tactical crouch stuff. Twitch, though, you can see me playing some WoW and Overwatch throughout the week. Twitter, who knows? Who knows what the f*** is going on? Uh, but, but I still am on Twitter, and I use that primarily. Otherwise, yeah, make, for, make sure to follow the show everywhere. Uh, just everywhere. Thanks for hanging out. Fun show. Good show. Uh, Baroy, uh, I, I, I need a special shout out to Baroy. <laughs> I think that was amazing. Thank you for the best, best uh, show or uh, thing that we've ever seen in our life. 
And uh, we're going to be back episode 38 next week, Tuesdays, 11 a.m. Pacific time, twitch.tv slash kick tripod. We're going to be back right after the break. Say hi, and uh, we'll get out of here.